Hey, Pete, I remember the question. Talk to you later. Well, we were up here, we were having our prayer, and I go, Pete, I have a question I was going to ask you, and I couldn't remember what it was. And now I remember what it is. So, Turn, if you will, to uh, Mark chapter 2. Uh, many of you know what we're doing in the church is we're combining the Sunday school and teaching and the preaching all into the same. In other words, uh, what, you're, what they're learning in Sunday school is what I'm going to be preaching on. So the first service people, is they can take their stuff into the, uh, the, what they learn into their Sunday school classes and they can talk about it. Uh, and the second service people, it's like you can get an idea of what we're going to be talking about and hopefully we can add some more to it, uh, what, you, what, you, what you've learned. So today, uh, the, we, the, the classes are looking at the paralytic uh, found in Mark chapter 2. And if you remember the story of the paralytic, that's uh, the man who was paralyzed. They opened up a, a hole in the roof of the house and, uh, and uh, had him come down. And then the first thing Jesus did was not heal him, but the first thing Jesus did was said, your sins are forgiven. And that caused all types of uh, uh, conversations uh, that went. So we're going to talk about that today. However, what I want to do first is, just like last week, I want to uh, do a little lesson, a little teaching for you, because that will add to the sermon. And so we, last week we talked about miracles. Uh, this week we're going to talk about the word sin, S-I-N. It is uh, one of the most offensive words in the English language, is sin, because no one likes to talk about it. No one likes to uh, admit that they are involved with it. No one, they just don't like the word. Uh, and so... But we, we are going to talk about it because the scriptures are filled with sin. In fact, Jesus came to redeem us from our sins so that we could live with him uh, forever. So we're going to talk about that today. So, let, first of all, let's give a definition of what the word sin actually is. And it means to miss the mark of God's perfection. So the way to describe it is, I want you to think of a, of a target. And, and in, order to, uh, 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 in order to be holy, in order to be on God's graces, you need to hit that, that target right in the exact center. Uh, you cannot be off just a little bit. It has to be exact. And when we as Christians, when we as human beings, when we sin, we, um, we go off the mark a little bit. So we cannot be perfect. So in other words, God is perfect and he expects us to be perfect too. Now, here's the problem. How many of you in here are perfect? How many of you in here have never done anything wrong? See, in, in the scriptures, if you make one sin, one mistake, then you're off on that perfection. And so that's why the scriptures can come out in the book of Romans and say, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God because every one of us has done something wrong. Is there anybody here that's never done anything wrong? I didn't think so. Because we all have. Um, pastors have. I, I know. I mean, lay people have. We all have sinned and fallen and short of the uh, glory of God. So therefore, we need a, what is called a Savior, someone to save us from our sins. Okay, we're going to talk about that more. Now, in the Hebrew, as you know, the Bible is written originally in two languages. Hebrew and, well, some Arabic, but primarily Hebrew and Greek. All right? 
So in the Hebrew, there are three words for sin. The first one is, well, let me give you another, uh, another definition too. I kind of went ahead of myself. In Christianity, sin is an immoral act considered to be a transgression of divine law. The doctrine of sin is central to the faith since, since it's the basic redemption uh, message of the redemption of Jesus Christ. Okay, so there's three words for sin. One is sin, ta-ta. So let's say it together, ta-ta. Can we say it? Ta-ta. And so that's a Hebrew word for sin, and that means uh, to miss the mark of God's perfection. It is the sin of that you do that is unintentional. Alright? Like somebody who doesn't know it's wrong, and they do it. Now, if anyone is in, uh, in uh, uh, law enforcement, just because you didn't know the law does not mean you're not responsible for the law. Got that? So just because you did not know about the law, you are still responsible for that law. For example, up in, if you look at the map of the state of Ohio, <clears throat> you go up north towards Toledo. There's a town west of Toledo called Berkey. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever seen Berkey, Ohio? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. So, you, so you've seen Berkey. So Berkey's up there. Now, what Berkey did is they wanted to stop Sylvania and Toledo from coming out to them. So they annexed just a little bit of a road, 120. They annexed that road for maybe about two or three miles. Well, what the problem with that is that you, you're driving along and you're in the country... And then all of a sudden you're now in a city and the speed limit now goes down to 35 miles an hour and your mind is saying it's ridiculous to go 35 miles an hour so you continue to go 50. See, I got caught in Berkey one time. And I was driving back from, from Toledo and I was, I was on Berkey, the Berkey Road and I'm just driving along and all of a sudden I see these red and blue lights behind me. And this police officer, the Berkey police officer, pulls me over. <clears throat> and you know he's been through it so many times. Because what he, he does this, he rolled mom on the window, he says, do you know what you're doing? I said, I don't have a clue what I was doing. Well, you were speeding, sir. Uh, you were going 55 mile an hour and the speed limit is uh, 35. And I could, write, I could write you up for reckless driving because you were going 20 miles an hour over. He says, but it's no excuse because there was a sign here, a sign here, a sign here, a sign here. Therefore, you're responsible for this, but I'm just going to write you off in a warning. He could have gave me a ticket, even though I didn't know it. It was unintentional. But you're still responsible. In the scriptures, we, you see individuals who, who commit unintentional sin, like uh, King Abimelech. Um, you know, if you remember that story where Abraham gave his wife to King Abimelech because he was afraid of his own life, well, that's a different sin in and of itself. But Abimelech did not know that she was a married woman. So he sinned, but it was unintentional. Another one is Uzzah. U-Z-Z-A-H. Uzzah. If you remember the story of, of the Ark of the Covenant. Remember the Ark of the Covenant? The big box that had in it had the... Uh, uh, the commandments in it had a jar of manna in it. Aaron's staff was in it, and uh, one other thing was in it that I can't remember. <laughs> but but it was a big box, and the way they were to transport that box was to put uh, sticks through little rings, and the priests were to carry that ark. Right? 
Well, King David wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. So what he did was he got an ox cart and they put the Ark on the ox cart and they started traveling into Jerusalem with it. The, the ox stumbled and the cart went over like this. So uh, Uzzah, Uzzah, he put his hand on the ark and he died immediately. He, he was unintentional. He didn't know it was wrong. But he died immediately. So, so that's what chata uh, means. It means to miss the, the mark of God's perfection. And maybe it might be unintentional. But it's still... God's word. You know, uh, many of you know that the uh, in the Western culture, the scriptures are being attacked like crazy right now. What the Bible says is sin is really being attacked. And people are giving all the excuses. Well, I'm going to tell you, when you stand before the Lord, you know what the, uh, especially the New Testament says, and they describe sin. If you don't believe me, then read Romans chapter 1, and it lists a whole bunch of sins there. You know, they're going to be responsible for it irregardless of what the media says. The second sin is called a wad. Let's say it together. A wad. A wad. A wad means an iniquity. That means an intentional sin. Don't need to explain that much. You know it's wrong and you do it anyway. Okay? Uh, you know it's wrong to lie on your tax returns, but you do it anyway. Okay? That is an intentional sin. Intentionally bending or distorting God's standards. The third one is, is uh, pisha. Say it together. Pisha. And that means to fracture a relationship. That, that you are in a relationship and you do something in that relationship that actually fractures that relationship. Um, there's a, a father, Andy Hamilton, uh, wrote an article. And in it he said this. All those relationships have a proper form of respect that considers all relationships and not just ones immediately involved in an engagement. In sin, these relationships are breached by greed, arrogance, rage, resentment, contempt, fear, lack of due attention, and so on. Because respect is the natural expression of love. Sin is always the failure to love. So when you see the word iniquity in scriptures, what it's talking about is the breaking of a relationship with somebody or impeding that relationship. You're greedy, so you take from them. You, you, you lack attention to your spouse that they need. You know, that's breaking a relationship. Um, uh, arrogance, uh, not, you know, your pride is a sin. Rage, we can go on with all those that are there. But that's the breaking and the fracturing of a relationship. Now, Jesus talks a lot about that. And he talks about how we are to repair those relationships. Um, Uriah the Hittite and King David is a prime example. Uh, King David saw... Bathsheba and had uh, sexual relations with her and she was a married woman and so he had fractured the relationship with Uriah and then when even worse he was trying to cover himself up so what he did he killed Uriah or had Uriah killed plus forget about the fact that he fractured the relationship between Uriah and his wife Bathsheba 
And because of that, you see all the fractured relationships throughout David's family. So, anyway, uh, so you have three sins. The unintentional, the intentional, and the fracturing of a relationship that's there. So, here's the key. God is absolute. God is absolutely holy. No sin can be found in him. No sin can be found in his presence. God had never has, nor never will sin. Alright? So, there's a group called the Mormons that are out there that come out and say that God is nothing more than an exalted man. Here's the problem with that. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, in some respects, what does that say? That say that they worship a sinful God. If you die and become an exalted man. Or exalt, you become an exalted man or God. And so that's how, that's how they're wrong. God has always been, always will be here. No sin is in his presence. He is totally holy. And we cannot get into his presence unless we are holy as well. And we cannot do that. Therefore, we need a Savior. And that's where Jesus Christ comes in. And he paid the price. And we can be in his presence because of the holy blood of Jesus Christ that is applied to our lives. Alright. Now God is holy. God has the ultimate authority. He is the creator of us. And he has the right to say what is and is not sin. So therefore, if I sin against my spouse, I also sin against God. And because of that, the only one that has the authority to forgive sin is God himself. Keep that in mind, because this is very, very important when we're talking about uh, the story of the paralytic, when Jesus forgave sin. So now let's go to Mark chapter 2. And let's, with this background, now let's talk about the paralytic. Now what I want to do is I'm going to shift gears just a little bit, and I'm going to show a little video just to get our mind refocused. Give a little break from this deep stuff, and now we're going to go into what happened with Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. This is from The Chosen. I saw what you did to the leper on the road this morning. My friend has been paralyzed since childhood. He has no hope but you. Please, do for him what you did for the leper. That's a rope! Would it bark, man? If you are willing, Rabbi, I know you can do this.
some take heart. Your sins are forgiven. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? I ask you, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or rise up and walk? It's easy to say anything, no? But to show you, and so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Okay, let's just use the old-fashioned way. Take your Bibles out. Mark chapter 2, let's start at verse 1. Okay. Let me just set this up for you. Uh, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus has started his ministry. He was healing uh, demoniacs. And as a result of that, the people were following him. Uh, they were excited. People were starting to bring their sick to him. I mean, if, if you're desperate, you're going to do everything you can. And so, um, here, so it says a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Now, if you remember last week, I, I put up side by side of the Sea of Galilee and, and the, Grand Lake, uh, the Grand Lake St. Mary's. And Grand Lake St. Mary's is about two-thirds the size of, of the Sea of Galilee. So best way to describe where he's at now is he, he kind of left Sandy Point and he went to St. Mary's. All right, so he'd be on the St. Mary's side of the lake. <clears throat> and he went to a house. Now, who was that house? We don't know for sure who that house was, but some people think that it was actually uh, a Peter's house, but we don't know for sure, just as a house. And so it says in verse 2, they gathered such a large number that there was no room left, not even outside the door where he preached the word to them. And so 
and so many people had come that they uh, that you couldn't get in because everybody wanted to speak and to talk to him. Verse 3. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Now, what, what I like about the, the miracles of Jesus, and I said it last week, is that in the miracles of Jesus, there's no doubt that they needed a miracle. I mean, there's no doubt. So you cannot fake the miracle. This person was blind since birth. This one was paralyzed for a long time. And, excuse me, four friends brought him. That means that they knew he was paralyzed. They weren't trying to pull a fast one. <clears throat> and so they came together and, and they could not get into the house because there were so many people. Verse 4. Since they could not get to him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above, above Jesus by digging through it, then lowered the mat of the man that was lying on it. Now, you don't quite understand what the roofs were like because we live in America, uh, Western cultures. All of our roofs have a pitch to them. But in the Eastern culture and out there, they're primarily flat roofs. And they're made a couple ways, a couple different ways. One is they'll make them a flat roof, kind of a cement type mixture. And in the cool, in, in the cool of the evening, people would go to the, on the, to the rooftops and that's where they would socialize. Now I did that when I was in India. We had a, actually had a church service that was on a roof. And it did not have any walls. It was just the roof. And so they gave us chairs to sit in. And those were the plastic chairs you get from Walmart for five bucks. You know the ones that you're sitting in and the whole thing starts moving back and forth? And so they put all of us preachers on the edge. Right? And my first thought was, whatever you do, do not lean back. Whatever you do. And then, and then that story in the book of Acts, you know, that person who fell asleep and, and fell out the window and died is coming to me. And so, you know, I'm, you know, I'm kind of fidgety anyway. And the next thing I know is, is I'm starting to lean back like this. And all the other preachers goes, Darwin, stop! And I go, oh, wait a minute. You know, I didn't want to fall off. I didn't want to have to carry me back home. But that's one way the roof is. The other way the roofs are, and that's more in the tribal areas, and that's where I think this one is, it's more of a thatched roof. It's kind of a flat roof, but it's still thatched, you know, where you put the palm branches and everything else on. And so I can just imagine Jesus is in this house, maybe Peter's house, and he's preaching, and all of a sudden pieces of leaves and dust start coming down in front of him. Now, you don't know what it's like to, to preach a sermon or to be public speaking, and then something happens, and you have to keep your focus while at the same time you're watching over here where something's happening. I was uh, preaching one time in Finley, and I was getting right to the point of the sermon, and all of a sudden somebody screams, we need an ambulance! Now, how in the world can you keep that sermon going? We had a lady that passed out from asthma. So we call 911 and off they come. You know, when you you, 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 you you name it, it's hard to keep focused when that happens. And so here's Jesus, he's preaching away, teaching away, and 
the leaves start falling and all of a sudden light starts coming down and of course he's going to look up and he sees these four men looking at him. And the next thing he knows is this person starts coming down by rope right in front of him. Well, of course you're going to stop the preaching. And he comes right in front of him. And it says in verse 5, <clears throat> it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. All right. Here's the problem. All right? So Jesus is now proclaiming the forgiveness of sins to a person. No one can forgive sins except for God. No one can forgive sins except for God. So the Bible says that the teachers of the law were sitting there in verse 6. It says, thinking to themselves. <clears throat> so Jesus knew what they were thinking. <clears throat> and, and he says, what? And then and thinking, why does this uh, fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. No one can forgive sins except for God. Now, they were waiting for the Messiah. Even in their concept and understanding of who the Messiah was, the Messiah still cannot, um, as they understood, the Jewish people understood it, could not forgive sin. Only God can forgive sin. And yet Jesus says this. And then verse 8, what does Jesus say? He says, immediately he knew in his spirit what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, verse 11, I tell you to get up, take your mat, and go home. Got up. Took his mat, walked out in full view of everyone. This amazed everyone. Would that amaze you? It wouldn't me. It, it definitely would. I was like, whoa! Because this was a miracle that everybody knew was a miracle. It's not one of these hidden ones. That you see on TV all the time. I mean, this, this person was a paralytic. He got up and walked out. Verse 10. Where am I? Verse 12. He got up and he took his mat and walked out in full view. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, We have never seen anything like this. Isn't that neat? So here's this man. Paralyzed, and Jesus said, "I forgive you, God. Your sins are forgiven." People have a conniption about it, and then the next thing Jesus says, "Well, okay, what's harder, to say these words or to say get up and walk? Get up and walk." So he got up and walked. Okay, let's look at the notes. See. It boils down to this. Let me see where we're at. Okay, there we go. Good. 
Jesus is either a nut, a blasphemer, or he's divine. Which one is he? And you have to ask your, you have to ask yourself that question in your own lives. See, there's, a, there's always a big attack on who Jesus is, especially at Christmas time and Easter time. That's when all the um, Time magazine and all those other magazines always have these articles about who Jesus is. But you have to come to the conclusion of who is he? Is he a nut? And trust me, there's been a lot of nuts in the world. Is he a blasphemer? Because blasphemy is speaking the things of God that you have no right to speak about. Or is he truly divine? And if you say he's truly divine, that changes your whole perspective and changes your whole world. So in this whole incident, what this teaches us is a couple things. It teaches us, and Jesus is bringing out the fact that our greatest need is spiritual. It isn't physical. Now, we say it's physical because that, we're living in a physical world right now. <clears throat> but our greatest need is spiritual and not physical. We need to realize that. Because the Bible says that every one of us will stand before Almighty God someday. And He isn't going to have a special place for the paralytic and the blind and the deaf. We all are going to stand before the presence of Almighty God. And we have to give an account of our holiness before Him. Now, if we're honest, we're all saying, <clears throat> none of us will say, I'm holy. What we'll say is by the blood of the Lamb. But we need to realize that need. Parents, hear me. <clears throat> the greatest need of your children is spiritual. Because someday they'll stand before Almighty God. We are only granted a short time in this life. And in eternity sense, it is a blip. And every one of us will stand in his presence. Parents, it's so important to develop the character and the spiritual formation of your children. It has to be at home this time. Second point. Our infirmities may or may not be the result of sin. However, they can be used to glorify Christ. Now, what I mean by that is, is this. Okay, now, hear me. This is going to be very hard to understand. Every infirmity, every sickness, every illness, every one of those is a result of sin. But it may not be a result of your sin. Got that? So all things actually go back to Adam and Eve and what Adam and Eve did. So, I mean, I shared I had gout, and I'm pretty much over it now. It still hurts a little bit, but not as much as it did. That's a result of Adam and Eve, so you can thank them. Thank you very much. We can go back to cancers, we can go back to coronavirus, we can all, but that coronavirus man-made, it still goes back to Adam and Eve. Okay? Now, <clears throat> there are some times that you will experience diseases, infirmities, because of your own actions. But not all the time. 
Okay? Not all the time. There are certain things you can do that you will pay a price for. You know, you smoke 20 packs a day, you get tar in your lungs, guess what's going to happen? You're probably going to get emphysema. Probably. Or cancer, or whatever else. But, there are also those, and I've known some people who've gotten lung cancer, and they never did any of that. How do you justify that? I've been in the hospital and I've watched babies that were uh, addicted to cocaine because mom took it. And I'm watching the babies shake. It's not their fault, but as a result of this. However, we can use, when we do go through these things, we can use them to glorify Christ. The one I think of is Johnny Erickson Tata. Who all knows Johnny Erickson Tata? Okay. Not everybody. Us older people know Johnny Erickson Tata. Johnny Erickson Tata was, was a lady. Let me, I'll just pull up her picture. Let me go one more here. There. Johnny Erickson Tata was a lady that uh, d dove off of a raft in a pond or a little lake. And when she dove off, she broke her neck. The only reason why she's alive today is her sister, somebody, uh, a little crab in the, in the lake, uh, pinched the sister's toe. And the sister turned around and said, hey, watch out for crab. And didn't see her and then just saw her floating uh, back up. And so her sister went and got her out of the water. Anyway, she's a quadriplegic. Very little movement in her shoulders. Very little. If you, if you ever hear her testimony, as a matter of fact, I put it on the, our Facebook page for you to, 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 to uh, watch it. You ever hear her testimony? She talks about how depressed she got and everything else. Now she's turning it around to glorifying Christ. She's actually helping other people who are physically disabled, sending wheelchairs and giving them comfort right here. I mean, that little boy right there. Uh, Nick uh, Dvorjiak, if you know him, the guy with no arms or legs, that little flipper on his, on his foot. That are, I, I watched the interviews with him, talking, those two talking together. And they're just filled with joy, even though they don't have full function of their bodies. Why are they filled with joy? Because they know Jesus Christ. And you know what the good news is? And, she, and I'm going to show a video of her. She's going to talk about there will come a day when she says, I will stand in front of the Lord and I will see him face to face. That's what's worth it. When you focus on the Lord and the spiritual and not just the physical. Because our bodies will waste away. Our bodies will waste away. But our spirits will endure forever. Let me go back one here. The third point, Jesus is the Son of God. He has the power to forgive sin. Our forgiveness and our hope comes in Jesus Christ. See, that's why we come every Sunday. You don't come every Sunday to hear me. You don't come every Sunday just because we got a nice structure. You should not be coming for any of that. You should not be coming for the piece of candy that, that Maria gave you uh, today. You shouldn't be coming for any of that. You should be coming to give glory and honor to Jesus Christ because when you realize where you're headed and now you realize where you are going to go, you can do nothing but praise Him. And so I look at a gal like Johnny Erickson who has been in a wheelchair for over 50 years and yet God has blessed her. You know what made her popular? She started painting with her teeth. 
And you look at those paintings that she does, and you're just amazed that she's doing it with her teeth. Hear what she says. 